As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And tonight, Zach Hubbard along with me again. And this time, guys, it's time to preview what is one of the biggest recruiting weekends in recent memory for Carolina and possibly one of the biggest in the history of the Tar Heel football program with just where this Tar Heel program is at right now under Mac Brown in his second go-round in Chapel Hill. So a ton of stuff that we have to talk about tonight, guys. There is a humongous group of targets that is on campus this upcoming weekend. Um, you know, just trying to count in my head real quick, I believe it is 17 guys that are taking official visits to Carolina. Um, that is unheard of. That it, That is something that I cannot remember the last time you had this many guys taking an official visit. And again, it shows how big the month of June is for this Tar Heel recruiting class. This will, of course, wrap it up. And then you've got some guys that already have decisions that are set. We'll tell you about some of those guys who are going to be on campus. We'll kind of break down each and every one of those guys. And then we'll uh, go and and tell you a couple of uh, notes about the 2024 class. Carolina has a a, a target in that class that is committing tomorrow. And they also landed inside of a top 10 for an important target from the state of Virginia. But we are going to start with this huge weekend that is coming up. And I think the most important question that we have to ask, as I welcome in Zach Hubbard with me here, uh, is, you know, 
just how significant of a weekend this is for Carolina football. And I think the first question that comes to mind for me, Zach, and probably a lot of people, is is this the biggest recruiting weekend so far of the Mac Brown 2.0 era? I know there were a couple of other big ones, especially that first year when he was, you know, trying to put together that class after he took over for Larry Fedora, but this one feels like it is huge for Carolina, considering that it feels like this program is kind of at a crossroads in terms of where they're at in uh, the second stint under Mac Brown. Yeah, so with that, I would agree, first off, to begin, that this is uh, very likely one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, recruiting weekends for uh, the Tar Heels under Mac Brown for a few reasons. Uh, number one, summer official visits were not as much a factor in the recruiting strategy through the first few years. Um, we see this sort of you know paralleled in, in Clemson, as we've mentioned in previous uh, editions of the podcast. You know, North Carolina under Mac Brown has tried to sort of emulate the you know the style and some different bits and pieces from what we've seen under uh, Dabo Swinney and his program down in Clemson and the success that they've had. And one of those things was that they were not really going to have a ton of summer official visits unless it was absolutely necessary or absolutely you know a guy that is going to commit here in the summer. Uh, definitely, you, you saw a lot of these uh, prospects uh, mainly in. North Carolina and Virginia as, as the Tar Heels' biggest recruiting areas. In the past few cycles, you have some that committed in the summer, but you had a good deal that were either already committed in the spring or would, you know, wait through their senior season, wait till around December or even February when the two signing periods were. And more and more each year, we're seeing kids taking official visits earlier. We're seeing them make these decisions earlier and making a lot of them in the summer. Um, where they want to go ahead and commit to the school of their choice, get that out of the way so that they can play, you know, their senior year sort of unburdened by the recruiting process. Um, So we're seeing that more and more, and we've seen schools like North Carolina and Clemson that had this sort of mindset of not having summer official visits. We've seen them sort of back off of that, sort of adapt with the times. And so that's why we're seeing this big push from the Tar Heels and getting guys on campus officially in the summer. Uh, So that in and of itself brings sort of a bigger atmosphere to this recruiting weekend. And like you mentioned, you know, we haven't gone through and – tallied, you know, the number of official visits in each individual weekend of the Mac Brown era, but when you look at 17 is a lot, I I can't think of any time period in which you've had that many guys on campus, that many guys officially on campus at one time. Uh, Obviously, the first weekend in June was also very big, but just for that reason that, you know, you're getting all these guys on campus at once, you're getting them on campus officially, which does add sort of a heightened factor to their visit. I, I think for that reason, you have to put it in, you know, either one of the top, if not the top weekends for target recruiting under Mac Brown. Well, and I think pointing out the fact that this is a school that hasn't done as much, uh, you know, in terms of hosting guys in the summer, kind of waiting uh, until the regular season to try to get some of these guys on campus for their official visits. I think you're 100% right about that. I also think that that is just kind of a thing that you're seeing throughout the sport. Um, And I think that 
you know, look, it, on a lesser scale, I mean, Clemson, we're talking about Clemson would literally never host official visits during the summer. Davo Sweeney said, look, if you're, you know, if you want to come to Clemson, then you will officially visit during the regular season. You will hold out and you will, you know, value that spot that we will then give you. Um, and it worked for a lot of those guys. For Carolina, look, if you really wanted to, they would go ahead and have you come on campus. Or if they felt like you were really just at that point of your recruitment, they would bring you on campus and they would allow you to go through that and make your decision. Now, you know, it's different. And I think the main reason is NIL. I think that there are just, you know, so many reasons for kids to commit early and go ahead and get that locked in, start racking up some of those deals that they know they can rack up out of the gate. And yeah, you know, sort of focus on their senior year, but more so they can focus on building their own brand. And I think that's what's a little bit different. And right now it's resulting in a lot of guys that are committing earlier overall, but they had slower moving recruitments, if that makes any sense. There were, you know, coming into this month, you know, a lot of the guys that we're talking about that are going to be on campus this week, you know, their recruitments were still pretty wide open. So Carolina gets a lot of these guys on. 17 is a massive amount. And yeah, it's that's pretty much usually like a game day haul in terms of the amount of guys that are on campus um, that are, are significant targets, at least for the Tar Heels. During game days, you have a lot of guys that kind of tag along with their teammates and are technically visitors, but are not really guys that Carolina is looking at seriously. This weekend is focused on just the guys that they're targeting, and it is a huge group. And the first guy that I want to talk about is a guy that's already committed, and he's been committed for a while. It's Tad Hudson. He's been committed since last August, but he is taking his official visit to campus this weekend. Now, the angle that I want to talk about here is him being a committed guy on campus, and not only a committed guy, a guy that we've seen you know, over the past couple of weeks especially, but really throughout since he's committed, has been a guy that has been pushing on social media to get some of these other guys, including some of the guys that will be on campus with them, to join this class. So when you look at Tad Hudson being on campus this weekend, Zach, you know, how big is it to have a guy that has been committed for as long as he has, that is as closely tied to the staff as he is, and that is a guy that seems to be a pretty vocal presence in trying to get other guys, fellow classmates, if you will, to commit to this, you know, group that Carolina is hoping to bring in in 2023. Yeah, I think when you get a guy like uh, Tad Hudson on campus, he's your first commit. He's sort of the de facto leader in the recruiting class being not only the first commit but the quarterback so everything you know all the subsequent commitments all of the you know recruiting success that they've had so far in the 2023 class has sort of flowed out of him being the first guy you know to jump on board and say i want to be a tar heel so i think it's absolutely important you know he knows a lot of these guys uh, from seven on seven uh, specifically you know the offensive prospect um the, the offensive prospects such as the wide receivers um so I, I think that it is absolutely imperative to get him on there to continue to build that rapport uh because there's some battles you know specifically on the offensive side at, at the wide receiver position that the Tar Heels are going to be you know battling for in the coming weeks and months 
and having CAD hubs in there to really, you know, be in person and, you know, have that sort of uh, comfortability with these receivers, I, I think that it's a big benefit to have it there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, this is a guy that is got a, a pretty big presence about him really just in the Charlotte area and has for a while. You know, he sort of jumped on to the scene late in his freshman year. And, you know, again, when you play on some of these these seven-on-seven teams, which are huge, and over the last couple of years, I think it was really interesting to see the dynamic because a guy in Drake May, who probably would have had extremely close ties to a lot of the other guys in the area, didn't have as firm a ties as you probably would have thought. And even just some of the guys in last year's class, I mean, some of the guys from Virginia definitely had some pretty close ties, but that was more due to the fact that we saw, you know, pictures of them playing together when they were younger. It was a different year. This year, you've gotten back to some normalcy, and you see that Tad Hudson has this sort of connection with some of these guys. You know, when you look at the wide receiver position, I think it's really the guys primarily from the Charlotte area, especially two guys that will be on campus that we'll talk about here in just a second, in Christian Hamilton and Kevin Concepcion. But, you know, I think, like you said, having a guy that has been committed for this long that knows already what he is buying into and you know he's got he's got a little bit of a a, a special connection because if I if I remember correctly I believe it is that Drake May dates his sister some some somehow they they are you know connected somebody in their family dates one of the two in some form or fashion. And it makes sense because, you know, Luke and, and, and the other Mays did go to Huff High School. Um, they did, of course, move into the Myers Park area for Drake to play at Myers Park uh, because they felt like that was just a better scenario for him. And um, I think that, you know, that also pays dividends for Carolina and it, it adds also to a room that Mac Brown raved about when he talked in his press conference the other day about the quarterback room and having that guy, another presence in there like Tad Hudson, uh, that is going to want to make this this team into one of the powerhouses that we know it can possibly be. Well, let's talk about those wide receivers that he may be trying to help recruit there. As we mentioned, Christian Hamilton out of Hickory Ridge High School in Harrisburg, North Carolina. You've got three-star wide receiver Kevin Concepcion out of Chambers High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then you've got Paul Billups, the uh, three-star wide receiver out of Western Branch High School in Chesapeake, Virginia. And a guy that hasn't really been talked about a whole lot into Marcus Cooley, the three-star wide receiver from Rollsville High School in North Carolina. But we're going to start by talking about the guy that isn't visiting, and that's Cooley's high school teammate and four-star wide receiver Noah Rogers, who just committed earlier this week on Wednesday. Uh, he commits to Ohio State. This isn't really that shocking. Ohio State, by the way, three straight days with wide receiver commits in the class. Three straight days with guys that are inside of the top 50 nationally in terms of their overall ranking committing there. What an unbelievable stretch for them. But this brings about the question of how concerned should Tar Heel fans be about the fact that Noah Rogers is heading elsewhere? Because I know, Zach, we have talked about some of the other big-name guys from the state of North Carolina, especially last year we talked about Travis Shaw, and even this year you know, we've talked about some of the other big names in the state. This is one that I get 
that you don't want to let the big name get out of state, but I'm not really all that worried about it. What about you? Yeah, I haven't been too worried here about Noah Rogers for a while. He's had sort of this connection with uh, Ohio State for a while, even sort of being rumored to be a silent commit to them, but still mulling that over. Uh, NC State, of course, also in the mix. Clemson had a little bit of run for a time, and then North Carolina was in there. They were not eliminated. They have an official visit planned for this weekend, in fact, as we have discussed. Uh, but Ohio State got his commitment in the end. And I think on the whole, just to start off, the first thing, um, you know, this is going to happen. This happens to really every football team. There's no such thing as an in-state lock for the most part in recruiting of you're going to get all of your top guys in your state. Uh, Clemson doesn't do that. Ohio State doesn't do that. Alabama doesn't do that. Georgia doesn't do that. Top guys will leave their state all the time to go to other programs, even programs that may be considered of a lesser caliber. And Ohio State is by no means of a lesser caliber. You know, they're a consistent um, playoff and uh, national champion contender. They've done really well, you know, recruiting and developing at the wide receiver position. So it is not as much a big deal. And, you know, sort of to move to the other guys as involved here, North Carolina has quite has had quite a few, um, you know, prospects that they really like at the wide receiver position. Uh, for a while now, a lot of those guys that we're seeing, you know, officially visit this weekend. So, you know, I sort of agree with you. I, I don't see the um, Noah Rogers miss, if you want to call it that. I don't see that to be a huge deal, um, mainly because up until this point, I've been waiting to see, you know, I needed to see him choose anywhere but Ohio State to really, you know, change my feelings about it one way or the other. And he ends up, you know, going that direction. I mean, look, it, it might sound, you know, somewhat petty, but my thing is, is that you don't lose him to NC State. And that's that's not just a thing of, well, it's NC State. That's a team that's competing for in-state prospects with you. If they were to get the number one player in the state, I think that would be noteworthy. I think what you're saying is is 100% right. And, and the best point, you know, that I can make when somebody brings up, well, you lose him to Ohio State, isn't that concerning? is look at what Ohio State has done at the wide receiver position over the last few years. We always hear these debates back and forth of, oh, what is DBU? What is QBU? What is RBU? All these different, you know, these different monikers. Well, wide receiver U right now is Ohio State, and there's no question about it to me. Just look at this past year. You had Chris Olave uh, as as well as Garrett Wilson go in the first round of the NFL draft, and to be real honest with you, they may not have even been the best receiver in that receiving core. The guy that is probably the best receiver in all of college football this year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, is a part of was a part of that group and went off in the bowl game to show you just how potent did he is. So this is the thing that you know if you would have lost him even to some of the other teams. I would even say and I know, you know, that they only had one down year. I would be more concerned if they lost him to Clemson. The fact that they lost him to Ohio State, the fact that Ohio State was the longtime leader for him, I think is the reason why I'm not as concerned about it. Would it have been great to get him? For sure. Did I think, you know, especially after we landed his brother last year as a walk-on, that he was a guy that Carolina was going to have a really legitimate shot at? I definitely did. But I think as we saw over, you know, the past really 
about nine, eight, nine months, we kind of learned that, look, this is a guy that just doesn't seem to be that tied to Carolina at this time. But the good news is, is that Carolina's done some of their homework on the other guys in this class at wide receiver. Look, they had two guys on campus this past weekend, four-star uh, Chris Culliver out of Maiden High School in Maiden, North Carolina, and then he had Nathan Leacock, who comes from Millbrook High School in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So Carolina's done their homework there. And then you've got the four guys that we mentioned that will be on campus this weekend. And, you know, I think the the question is, you know, when you look at him, first of all, with Christian Hamilton, it, it feels like Carolina is probably the leader for him right now, although Texas A&M is a team that kind of remains a mystery at this point as to just how good they're doing with him uh, because he's been relatively silent in terms of, you know, discussing the leaders and where teams stand. Kevin Concepcion, it's pretty plain and simple. Carolina has to kind of blow him away um, because he is really well tied to NC State and their starting quarterback uh, of the future, Lex Thomas. So uh, Carolina, you know, they've got their opportunity here. That was an offer that he sought after for a while. So uh, we'll see what Carolina can do. Paul Billups is kind of a guy that Carolina has, has led for for a while. But there's a team that has really made a push here recently on the recruiting trail just overall uh, in Michigan State. Mel Tucker and his guys really doing a good job here in the month of June. They've made, they got him on campus for an official visit last weekend, so can Carolina hold them off? And then to Marcus Cooley, he's kind of a guy that at this point is a little bit of a question mark. He's not going to end up where, where Rodgers landed at Ohio State. Um, Carolina and... NC State kind of seemed to be in pretty favorable spots for him, but at this point, it's kind of up in the air. Up, up in the air. But when you look at these official visitors, just the four that we talked about that are going to be on campus this weekend, Zach, who do you think should be the biggest priority of the team to land out of those four guys? Yeah, out of these four guys, I would have to probably pick Christian Hamilton as of today. Um, that's mainly just based on, um, like you mentioned, you know, the connection that he's had in North Carolina for the time being. Obviously, he did take an official visit to um, Texas A&M, but um, from what I've sort of gathered on the Texas A&M side, they really haven't had um, a ton of contact or a ton of really information or buzz there since that point. So the feeling going into uh, what looks to be a July 1st announcement that North Carolina is likely to be the pick uh, when I compare him to the other guys on this list, um, I do think he's the one that offers uh, the most speed but also the, the most versatility. He's about six foot 175, so you know, likely plays more so in the slot, but could play outside. That's obviously not possible at six foot even. Um, I think he's probably the fastest of the guys and within the offense, you know, getting speed in the space is sort of the priority. It's like priority uh, with a lot of teams, especially uh, with the way the college game has gone, focusing on passing, focusing on uh, short game passing and yards after catch and, you know, utilizing, um, you know, slants, RPOs, things of that nature. 
Um, I, I do think, however, that um, you know Kevin Conception and uh, Paul Phillips also options in their conception more of a of a slot guy as well. But uh, coming off a, a you know a really productive what sounds to be NC State official visit, so you know, the Tar Heels are going to have to fight pretty hard there to get his signature. Paul Phillips, like you mentioned, more of a taller guy around six two, so more of the you know distinctly outside guy fighting Michigan State there. Um, so I do feel good about the. Uh, Tar Heels position there um, and then finally like you mentioned you know a three star guy that can play both ways uh, wide receiver or safety and Marcus Cooley out of Roseville uh, also coming off of a, what seems to be a productive NC State official visit so you know it's difficult to say with Cooley he's sort of been the guy that's been had the least amount of information uh, connecting him to the Tar Heels thus far we'll see how that changes this weekend in terms of his, you know, recruitment, what the Tar Heels are able to really uh, do and discuss with him. But just based on all of those factors, um, the connection to North Carolina, his ranking and his overall makeup and versatility, Christian Hamilton's got to be my selection for really the biggest priority of, you know, nailing this guy down this weekend. And I think that, you know, the Tar Heels will be successful with that. Yeah, I feel pretty confident as well. I, I think that's one that, you know, when we, I, I think we will be doing a podcast either on July 1st or July 2nd to talk about his commitment to Carolina. Um, you know, Concepcion is, man, he, he is up in the, he is honestly one of the biggest mysteries to me because I know a lot of the sites have talked about NC State having a pretty significant lead, but I, I don't, the, from what I've heard and seen from some people, that's not necessarily the case. It is a lot more even than I think some of those recruiting experts and sites would have you believe. Um, you know, Cooley, yeah, complete mystery. At this point, I think that's one of those guys that I don't know if he's seen as a secondary option, but I think he's kind of in that same camp as, as Nathan Leacock from last weekend where – you just honestly don't really know a whole lot about him because a lot of the other guys are higher ranked and there's just been more coverage on those guys. To me, the guy that Carolina has to prioritize here is Paul Billups. And I think it's the main reason is because this is a still a significant need for Carolina right now in this recruiting class. Not only, look, you're guaranteed to lose uh, – Antoine Green at the end of the season. You know that. Um, Justin Olsen is a guy that, you know, it's it's just, I, I know they're going to roll him back out there on the outside again this year. I don't know if he's an outside receiver long term. I think he's a guy that probably should have been in the slot in an ideal fit for him. So, Carolina's in need of these guys on the outside, and you're still waiting for J.J. Jones to step up. You're still waiting for Kobe Paysauer to show you something, and there's no guarantee as to what Andre Green Jr. is going to be. At this point, you know nothing about him from a college standpoint because he's a guy that isn't going to be with you until the fall. So for Carolina, it's important to get a guy, at least one guy, probably two, on the outside. And I think, you know, with Paul Billups, you look at the other guy that Carolina is looking at as as that that prototypical outside receiver guy that kind of fits that role as 
not only a guy that can go, go up and get the football in the red zone, but can also take the top off the defense, similar to what Deami Brown did um, when Carolina's receiving core was thriving at its best in, in 19 and 20. Chris Culliver is the other guy, and look, I think Carolina, they, they, th- they probably feel pretty good about what they showed him last weekend, but you still got that uncertainty with that Virginia Tech visit looming, so I think if they can get Paul Billups' commitment, and as of right now, he's not scheduled to commit until the end of August, but you never really know. I feel like the biggest thing for Carolina this weekend is they have to show Paul Billups that they are clearly the place that he needs to be because they need that help on the outside. I like his speed. I like his uh, I, I like his uh, his catching range. He can catch just about anything that's thrown to him. His catch radius, that's what I was looking for right there. Um, and I, I just think he's a pretty complete prospect, and he's a guy that Carolina has been on for a while. He's still inside that footprint of Virginia. I understand that you want to keep the guys in state, but to me, the biggest priority uh, this weekend would be Paul Billups. So let's move to the defensive side of the ball, and let's go down to the defensive line and the edge rushers. And really, it's it's mainly the defensive line. There's only one edge rusher on campus this weekend, although it is a very big one. Enrico Walker, the four-star edge rusher from Hickory High School in Hickory, North Carolina. But in terms of the defensive linemen, you've got four-star D, uh, Davian Hobbs from J.M. Robinson High School in Concord, North Carolina. You got four-star uh, Keith Sampson Jr. from New Bern High School in New Bern, North Carolina. Something that is notable about him is he is currently committed to Florida State. We'll talk about that here in just a second. You've got three-star defensive lineman Tyler Thompson out of Panther Creek High School in Cary, North Carolina. Another three-star in Rodney Laura from Woodbury Forest, North Carol, uh, Woodbury Forest, Virginia, excuse me. Uh, and then you've got Joshua Horton uh, out of the state of Georgia, Langston Hughes High School in Fairburn, Georgia, who will also be on campus. So uh, really, you know, when you sort through some of these guys, I mean, first of all, I think Horton and Thompson, it's these are guys that if they first of all they have to actually make it to campus i'm not even sure that's going to happen for these two guys similar to what we saw we had a guy that was supposed to be on campus this week and a four-star defensive lineman from atlanta georgia in aj hoffler who committed earlier this week to clemson he will not make his official visit similar to noah rogers but you know with horton and with thompson those are two guys horton uh, extremely tied to Auburn at this point. That's a guy that I think Carolina kind of knew that when they offered him, but thought, why not jump in here? He's inside the footprint. Let's see if we can't make a push. Uh, not Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make his official visit. And up until last week, Tyler Thompson was a guy that I thought if Carolina really wanted him, they could make a push there. But as of right now, it seems like pretty much a foregone conclusion that he will go to Michigan after his official visit there uh, to Ann Arbor last weekend. Um, also a guy that is unbelievably undersized for either of the positions when you look at him, 6'5", 200. So uh, kind of one that maybe Carolina may dodge a bullet there on that one. But um, those are two guys that will be on campus. The other guys, pretty legitimate. And I think, you know, the one that everybody wants to know the most about is when it comes to Ke- uh, to Keith Sampson Jr., 
Does it feel like, Zach, the Torials have a legitimate chance here, or is this just a guy in, in, in Samson that is, you know, wanting to sort of enjoy the recruitment uh, process, but is still maybe committed to Florida State? I, this is one that I think a lot of people are having trouble reading right now. Yeah, I kind of put myself in the same boat as those people because I'm having trouble reading this one. You know, Samson was a guy that um, seems sort of all over the place early in his recruitment, sort of committed to Florida State out of the blue, and then, you know, seemed pretty locked down, no information on him since then, and then, you know, announced that um, that he was going to take official visits and uh, sort of announced it in a way to say, you know, I'm going to take official visits, and, you know, look, I, I don't know the prospect, I don't know him personally, I don't know his mindset, but seemed to say, you know, I'm going to take visits, and uh, you presumably at Florida State uh, fans and coaches can't criticize me for this. I'm going to you know, go through this process. So uh, when I see prospects visiting at all, you know, it, any visit is a sign that you are, you know, still entertaining offers from other people, um, whether that be, um, you know, in-state programs or elite programs or, you know, in combination, it's hard to say really. I know that he was at NC State last week. I think that visit went fine, and obviously he's here at North Carolina this weekend. Um, it, it's hard to really say, you know, what the interest is from both parties, just because there's been that lack of communication because he committed so abruptly and so early. It, it's hard to say where North Carolina stands uh, in his recruitment. I think that they would, of course, you know, entertain it as they're obviously getting him in on a visit, but it, it's hard to really gauge uh, where his interest is. And like you mentioned sort of at the beginning, you know, within IL as a factor for these kids, um, it's hard to really get a good handle on a lot of stuff until right before, you know, the commitment happens, uh, you know, with money changing hands, a lot more recruits are keeping things close to the, close to the best. And, you know, until paperwork is signed, uh, a lot of these recruits are you know, trying to drum up intrigue to sort of, you know, maximize their earning potential from mm-hmm. from schools. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a factor. That's not necessarily, I don't want to make a value judgment in terms of that. You know, that's in a system that doesn't have contracts like professional sports, that's, you know, that's common and that's, you know, that's just something that happens. So that could be a factor. It's hard to really say as of right now, but I, for me, I want to see how this visit goes and then sort of, you know, gather information from there and then see if this, if this is something to really take seriously or if this was just something for fun or to, you know, drum up NIL or any number of things. I really want to see if this is something that we should take seriously uh, before I, I give a strong opinion one way or the other. That last point I think is very interesting and was something that I was starting to think more and more about when looking at this situation. That That's an element that I think you will see moving forward with certain guys. Um, but in terms of just the sheer recruitment, I think you're right. I think we've seen this before. We've seen guys that have been committed and they start taking visits elsewhere. And it's basically to signify, hey, I am not 100% locked in to my commitment. Now, the weird thing about it is, is usually when you see this happen, 
it is extremely rare that after you announce that you are going to take official visits elsewhere, you then turn around and take an official visit to the school that you are currently committed to. So this, this is honestly one of the weirder scenarios that I've seen. Um, this was a recruitment that I think we sort of got hints this was going to be somewhat chaotic like this early on. There were some passive-aggressive comments that were made on social media from his father um, that some people tied back to possibly being the Tar Heel staff, that they weren't valuing him enough, weren't valuing in-state guys enough. Um, you know, Some people thought it could have been NC State as well. It's unclear as to where, you know, which school he, they, they were talking about at the time. Um, but then, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, he commits to Florida State. Um, there, there was pretty much a three or four month stretch where it seemed like that was pretty much all his social media account was. So it seemed like, okay, this is a pretty legitimate commitment. It seemed like this kind of came out of nowhere, but maybe this was something that we should have taken pretty seriously. And now, as we've gotten into the month of June, now his name is kind of back out there a little bit. I wouldn't say back on the market because he's still committed. But the thing that this recruitment to me is starting to give me a similar feel to a guy from a few years ago that Carolina ended up landing in the end, and that's Emory Simmons. And and that was a recruitment that went back and forth a lot. And this is starting to give me some of those similar feels. Now, I don't know for sure if this is what's going to happen. And I'm with you. I think in order to get a really good assessment of where exactly things are at, it's going to take, you know, this weekend and, and really hearing some significant news that even if he doesn't commit, he is at least strongly considering, you know, flipping his commitment and and, and will be hoping to take more visits to campuses during, you know, once the dead period lifts. That's what I think you have to keep an eye on, uh, you know, here over the, the next week or so. But... It is it is kind of mysterious. I will say this. I feel like that's a name that now you have to at least keep on the radar when you look at the defensive line targets for Carolina along with David Hobbs as well as Jamal Jarrett. I think that's another guy that's now put his name back into the running there. But in terms of how serious it is, I think we'll have to wait and see. Now, you know, I named off the six guys that will visit uh, for Carolina. Again, I'll read you know the names off just really quickly here. You got Davian Hobbs out of Concord. You've got Rico Walker, the edge rusher out of Hickory. Uh, Keith Sampson, who we just talked about there out of New Bern. Uh, Tyler Thompson out of Panther Creek High School in Cary. Uh, Rodney Lohr out of Woodbury Forest, Virginia. And Joshua Horton from Fairburn, Georgia. Zach, when you look at that group of six, this is a significant group. How many of those guys do do you actually think the Tar Heels land when it's all said and done sitting here today on June 23rd? Yeah, so I'll kind of go through each guy and sort of give where I'm leaning here. Um, I think we can get three of them out of the way pretty quick. And Tyler Thompson, Robbie Moore, and Joshua Horton. Um, Thompson and Horton, you mentioned at the beginning. I mean, the first step is really just to get those guys on campus that even with these official visits scheduled, you know, their recruitment seemed to be pulling, you know, distinctly in one direction. Thompson pulling to Michigan and, you know, Horton's been linked to Auburn for a good while now. So I would not predict either of those guys to 
uh, commit to the Tar Heels as of today. With Laura, I think that, you know, he's sort of drifting more towards uh, Virginia than North Carolina. And I think that, you know, on the whole, they're sort of, it's sort of a mutual parting of ways uh, between them, even if he does make his official visit. But that could, of course, change if they do get him on campus. Uh, so you're really looking at, you know, the, the really the four star prospects that they're getting. You're looking at David Hobbs, uh, Vivian Hobbs, uh, Rico Walker, and Keith Sampson Jr. Uh, you know, Keith Sampson Jr., we just discussed. I'm really not ready to make a prediction uh, in terms of him to do anything just based on the information that we have. So, you know, you're really looking at those top two guys, one to two. In terms of Hobbs, I feel really, really good about North Carolina's position with them. Uh, did camp at Alabama and received an offer from them, has discussed an official visit for the fall, and then officially visited Auburn, I believe, this past weekend. Um, but everything I've heard sort of, you know, from the Alabama and Auburn side is that most people believe he's going to end up ultimately at North Carolina, whether that be sooner or later. I tend to lean probably sooner if I had to guess, so I feel pretty good about adding uh, four-star defense then David Hobbs and then Rico Walker. You know, it's harder to get a um, to get a handle on him. Um, and I know on the edge board in general, they've got guys like Joshua Mickens and J. Brown Harvey that are, you know, pretty solidly in the mix for if not the favorite for um so it, it is not a, a guarantee which you know if you went back a year from now looking at the prospects you, you wouldn't really you know think this as much rico walker's sort of always been a guy on the radar but you know depending on the number of edge guys that they want to take it, it's not uh, a guarantee really of how this sort of pecking order plays out and uh with rico walker i know that tennessee's also you know a pretty big factor in his recruitment so I would say right now it'd be one to two. I'll be optimistic just for the podcast and say two in Hobbs and Walker. Uh, but I think, you know, you look at the full collection of defensive line prospects that they've had officially visit in the month of June, uh, they're going to get a, a good number overall. And, you know, they're likely to get uh, one or two from this uh, six that we're having visit this weekend. Yeah, I think a big part of it is just how does Carolina stack these guys up and and how many do they feel like they can add to this class. Remember that this is going to be a deeper class. Um, We've heard that this could be a class anywhere from 21 up to the max of 25, depending on what ends up happening. And, you know, a lot of it is because we've seen some transfers, especially, you know, on the offensive side, wide receivers, a spot where they probably had multiple guys, but defensive lines, a spot too. And, and expect, I think edge rusher, they will definitely add a few guys there because they're still looking for depth there. Uh, no doubt. Uh, even with some of the guys that they currently have enrolled on campus, I think it's I think it's two right now. Although I do think you know you mentioned Rodney Laura, and I think that you know Virginia is is the team that right now probably feels the best about their position. Rutgers is a spot that he's taken an official visit to, but I think Carolina you know they've kind of been lurking around for him, and you know if if he makes it to campus, which I, I think he probably will. I wonder if that's a guy that Carolina takes the commitment and then maybe later on, not saying they force him out, but 
you know, if they do end up landing other guys, you know, guys that, you know, like like Jamal Jarrett, who's a four-star, they would take him just because he's a guy you really can't pass up. Same thing if Keith Sampson Jr. was there and decided to flip his commitment. He could potentially then flip his commitment to Virginia. So Laura, I think, is one of those guys that could be interesting. But I, I, I'm kind of with you. I think right now I'd still lean Virginia. So I'll go with two. I feel pretty confident about where Carolina's at with Rico Walker. Um, you know, again, you, you're right. That's a that's a very very quiet commitment, and it makes a lot of sense because you know he's in it, it, Hickory. Um, you know, he plays for a school that really isn't going to get a lot of spotlight. Um, frankly, the, his team besides him is 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 terrible. Um, they had a horrendous year this past year, um, but he is a he is a standout. And you know, Tennessee's that other one that's been in there. But I think you know this was a this was a recruitment that you know for a while has been said is going to go into the fall. He wants it to go into the fall. But then he chooses to take an official visit this weekend to the team that's perceived as his leader. I think that's going to be really interesting. And I wonder if part of that is because he sees Joshua Mickens, a guy that at this point is seen as pretty much a Tar Heel lock. It's just a matter of when, not if. And J. Bron Harvey, who isn't quite as as sure of a thing, but it's starting to feel more and more like he will be a guy that will be a Tar Heel at some point as well. You wonder if this is going to be a scenario similar to, you know, the scenario that Noah Rogers faced having to commit to Ohio State because of really just the lack of spots moving forward. If that could be a guy that could commit here, you know, sometime relatively soon after his official visit just to grab one of those spots. I feel pretty confident with where Carolina's at in that recruitment. And then, yeah, with Davian Hobbs, Carolina's been in earlier than these other schools. You know, Auburn jumped on the radar. He took the official visit there. And, I mean, look, there were some good things that came out. There were some positive things that came out for for Auburn of that official visit. But it wasn't something that I think really scared people off of their thoughts that he will end up at Carolina. Um, With Alabama, you know, that's one that it feels like Alabama kind of slow played that one. Maybe they, you know, he does end up holding out and taking an official visit there in the fall. But I feel like maybe that's one of those scenarios where he looks and, and, and feels like, man, Carolina prioritizes me. Alabama, I may just be another one of the guys um, coming in there, just another prospect. So uh, we'll see. But right now, I, I would say Hobbs and Walker, I feel confident that Carolina, in the end, will land both of those commitments. Let's move to the defensive backfield. You've got uh, four-star cornerback Braden Marshall out of Lake Mary High School in Lake Mary, Florida. Uh, you got Dale Miller, a guy that I don't think a lot of Carolina fans really know about, um, out of Deer Creek High School in Edmond, Oklahoma. And then you've got uh, the three-star safety also out of the state of Florida, Zach Toby from Ocoee, Florida, uh, who will be visiting. Toby's the guy that people are probably most familiar with. This is an offer from a while back for Carolina. They've been in pretty solid stand with him, although it looks like Central Florida has really done their work there and right now probably comes in as the leader. Um, but you also, you know, look at Braden Marshall. That's another guy that Carolina's kind of hung around for. Uh, some of the other guys that they offered there really out of the state of Georgia. Um, you know, we see a couple of those guys commit to Pitt. Um, and, there, you know, Marshall was another guy that was in that same area uh, that, you know, 
Carolina made a push for, but then it, it, it's kind of slowed in terms of the momentum on. You know, when you look at this group, Zach, how important do you really think it is for Carolina to land another commit uh, to this defensive backfield in this class with, you know, one guy and Caleb Cost already committed? Yeah, I think as we've discussed in previous editions, um, I consider defensive back to be one of the um, – you know, one of the more important positions in the class alongside offensive line and wide receiver, um, they have a good number of guys that will be either you know, redshirt seniors or, you know, true seniors or just upperclassmen overall. So it, it is a, you know, it is a older defensive backfield entering uh, 2022. So they're going to need guys that can, you know, fill those roles. Like you mentioned, I already got one in Caleb Cost, but um, they're going to need to get others here within the 2023 recruiting class. Um, of the three guys that you mentioned, I feel the best about three-star safety out of Florida, Zachary Tobe, um, likely to commit in July, I think early July, if I'm not mistaken, or August. Um, and I like where the Tar Heels sit for him um, as of right now. But you know, also they're in a pretty good spot for the two quarterbacks as well, in Braden Marshall and Dale Miller. I feel a little bit better about Marshall thus far a little bit less information on miller uh, but you know when you look at Braden marshall that that one's looking to uh gearing up to be a, a north carolina i think uh central florida is the other team involved there sort of north carolina ucf battle that i think tar Heels could really you know get some momentum there with this official visit so you know tobin marshall those are sort of really the two guys i'm looking at and uh, i think this is a defensive backfield that can add you know more than just one uh, additional commitment before all said and done could be a, a three to four man class um, come December. So I um, I feel good about them adding another um, you know defensive back to the class, and I do think it is a priority for this staff in the 2023 cycle. Yeah, one of the challenges with this is that I think the corners, you know, they they could add another guy there. But we talked about it when we talked about Caleb Koss. He's a guy that we think, you know, especially because he played – you know, bounce back and forth between corner and safety, his ability in the run game. Uh, we thought that he was a guy at, at 5'10", 180, that's probably going to play the slot. Well, the other two guys that we're talking about, Braden Marshall and Dale Miller, neither one of those guys are above 5'10". Both guys are 170 pounds or lighter. So both of those guys both are, look like guys that will probably slot in the, in the nickel corner spot. So is that an area that Carolina really needs somebody? This question I think is interesting because I think that it's it's somewhat important for Carolina to add another commitment in this class. My question is, is it when is it in the you know from the high school level or is this going to be an area where Carolina's got to address it in the transfer portal? I feel like that's probably where Carolina would have to address it. And look, you know, there's a lot of hype around Tony Grimes being able to bounce back this year. And I think that there is a really good chance he will. There's, you know, a lot of hype around Storm Duck if he can stay healthy. But nothing is guaranteed with those guys, especially because of the fact that, look, even when those guys were on the field last year, they had their ups and downs, their inconsistencies, just like most of the defense for Carolina. So 
it's no guarantee that those guys will go, but you do want to be prepared if those guys do go. I think that, you know, safety, I think Carolina would really like to add somebody there because they, you know, there's there's still some uncertainty about Cameron Kelly, um, Geo Biggers back there. Carolina's, you know, attempting to, to to find solutions back there, but that's still a spot where maybe having more bodies that you could throw at that spot if you need to would be helpful. And and, and I think Zachary Toby's a guy that has a great chance to, uh, you know, for, for Carolina to make an impression on him, a lasting impression that ends up working out in their favor. He is going to commit. It is July 7th that he is going to commit. So that could be huge if Carolina can sort of make that last push and really give him something to think about. Um, you know, And I think the other guys, you know, Dale Miller is very interesting because right now it looks like it's pretty much a race between Carolina and Auburn. And, you know, Auburn I, th- I think is a team a little bit closer to home, a little more well-known. Uh, but that's a guy that, you know, is, is – kind of floating under the radar and I think we will get a better feel for after the weekend as to where exactly he's at. Brady Marshall, I think there's more got more teams in the running. You're seeing, you know, teams like Pittsburgh who has cleaned up at the you know in the defensive backfield here over the last couple of weeks? Uh, Wisconsin, who's done some a really good job there as well. They just landed a guy that Carolina uh, you know jumped on and, and and looked like they had some good momentum with in Jace Arnold uh, a couple of uh, you know now about probably a month and a half ago. So. Uh, I think, you know, it, it probably sets up to where uh, Toby's the best chance uh, uh, for Carolina coming out of the weekend to land somebody. Dale Miller's probably number two, and Braden Marshall's number three. But in terms of importance, I think that, you know, because there isn't that clear outside corner, which I think is the one thing that Carolina probably needs in this class, uh, in that defensive backfield more than anything, I think that Carolina right now uh, it, it's probably not seen to be quite as important as some of the other needs on this team. Um, the last you know thing that we'll do is we'll look at the other three guys that are on campus, and you know we kind of label it as that because these are guys that you know there's not a, a big group of guys in a certain position group. You've got three-star interior offensive lineman Robert Grigsby from North Cobb High School in Kennesaw, Georgia. You've got uh, Kobe Keenum, the three-star offensive tackle from Mars Hill. Bible School in Florence, Alabama. He has a he has confirmed that he will take his official visit to campus after taking officials to Kentucky and to Louisville in the last couple of weekends. He did that the other day, so he is guaranteed to be on campus. And then you've got Amari Campbell, the linebacker, the three-star linebacker out of Unity Reed High School in Manassas, Virginia. Now this one's interesting because he also announced that he will take an official visit to West Virginia, um, and that is something that is currently going on right now. He started his official visit there yesterday. It is scheduled to go until tomorrow. So the belief is that he is going to go from West Virginia straight into his official visit in Chapel Hill. Um, so that's the you know the other group of three. And when you look at those three guys, Zach, who do you think out of those three, the Tar Heels have the best chance of landing? I think going into this visit weekend, they probably stand in the best spot uh, for three-star linebacker Mari Campbell out of Virginia. 
Uh, he's been linked to the Tar Heels for a good while now through this recruiting cycle. Uh, like you mentioned, is currently on an official visit to West Virginia, but North Carolina will get the last visit. And uh, with him, you know, having sort of that connection with the Tar Heels for so long, he's probably the one that, you know, is in the best position um, thus far. Uh, to be the addition. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with uh, Robert Grapey, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of Georgia. You know, he's taken quite a few uh, official visits uh, to Vanderbilt and State in the past few weeks. Uh, but I want to see what that Tarheel official visit looks like. I think it could be significant, so I'd probably put him at, at second right now. Um, Kobe Keenum, you know, he's been... Uh, you know, on the board, he's the most recent addition of these three to the recruiting board. Um, has taken you know consecutive official visits to Louisville and to Kentucky, and could look to take his recruitment into the fall. Uh, go to places like Old Miss and Mississippi State um, that are you know, neighbor his home state of Alabama. So he's the one that I have the least amount of information, feel the least confident on. Uh, but if I had to go with one today, it'd probably be Amari Campbell. Obviously, they're still sort of, uh, you know, choosing and prioritizing off-ball linebackers there. But um, you know, we could, uh, we could, he could be a guy that I might look at um, as a potential, you know, not necessarily Saturday, Sunday, but could be, you know, an early week commitment next week. If there was one guy, you know, out of these three that I that I would place in that category, if any of them. It'd probably be a Campbell. So two weeks ago, this would have been an easy answer for me. I would have been a hundred percent in your camp. I would have said no doubt Amari Campbell. Um, you know, Maryland has jumped in there. They got an official visit. Now West Virginia has jumped in there. And usually, when you see these last-minute visits pop up, it's kind of because you you wonder with a team like Carolina. How much do they value him? Where do they look at him on their board in terms of priorities? Is he a guy that right now they think, okay, we absolutely need his commitment? Or is he a guy that they're going to try to maybe string along and push back and see, do we really need this guy? Is this a guy that you know we're, we're just going to take if we don't land some of the other guys? That's the interesting thing about him. So I, I will go with Campbell as the guy right now, but I, I'm with you. I think Grigsby is extremely interesting because I don't really know how serious NC State is as a contender in this. I feel like they're there, but it really feels like Vanderbilt and Carolina have been the two teams going back and forth. And again, maybe this is just a, a lot of confidence. I know Vanderbilt, you know, there, there have been a couple of guys that Carolina has, um, you know, either had as, as a target for a while or still targeting right now uh, that Vanderbilt has been in the hunt for and they have received official visits from. Um, but this feels like one where if Carolina really wants him, they should be able to beat out. Vanderbilt for his commitment. And I think this is one that Carolina 
probably values. I think inside interior offensive line is, is a spot that um, Carolina needs a, a commitment from in this class because you know that you are going to lose Ed, Montilla, uh, Ed Montalus. Um, you're still wondering you know, about William Barnes, but that could be another guy that you could possibly lose there. Not to mention you are going to lose all three of the guys that are returning uh, or transferring in for you at center in Corey Gaynor, Brian Anderson, and Kieran Johnson. So they need some interior offensive line help. And the other guys that Carolina is looking at, at that, at that specific position group right now, are uh, you've got Marquis Anderson and DJ Geth, two teammates. Anderson uh, is a guy that for a while hasn't felt like he's been that closely tied to Carolina. Geth was a guy that because his dad was a player on the 1993 National Championship basketball team, a lot of people thought he was a guy that was going to be a shoe-in, but it seems like South Carolina has done a great job and has him potentially leaning in their direction. And, you know, there is another guy in, in, in Paul Mabinga that Carolina felt pretty good about uh, after his visit on June 3rd. But now that looks like that could go Michigan's way. So this might be one that Carolina really prioritizes here. I think this is pretty close between these two guys because I think Carolina will make a significant push for Robert Grigsby. But I think Amari Campbell's been that long-term guy for Carolina there that they, they've kind of had that steady lead for. And if they are willing to take his commitment, I think that he will commit to Carolina. So I will go with Amari Campbell right now. But I think that Robert Grigsby is a guy that is worth watching. So we're going to take a quick break, come right back here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Uh, we'll tell you about some significant happenings in the 2024 recruiting class, as well as an opponent that will be heading to Chapel Hill uh, in 2024 uh, during the regular season. It is an in-state team. You don't want to miss who that is. Stick around here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnotta here with you guys along with Zach Hubbard. Let's tell you a couple of quick notes from the 2024 recruiting trail 
Uh, and it starts with four-star tight end Jack Larson, in-state tight end at a Charlotte Catholic High School in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. He is set to announce his commitment tomorrow. And uh, as of right now, this does not look like this is going to go the Tar Heels way. If I had to tell you about a tight end committing early uh, to a certain school, uh, you, you could probably take a pretty safe guess as to where he's going. Notre Dame, a team that has had a ton of success with tight ends, looks like the team that is going to probably land his commitment. But the Tar Heels are a team that is going to be on the table along with NC State, Clemson, and I'm forgetting the other team that is going to be on there. But I know Notre Dame right now is looked at as a strong favorite for him. Meanwhile, another guy in the 2024 class, four-star cornerback Tavoy Fegan, did narrow down his list to 10 schools. Carolina is amongst that, and he is a guy that took an unofficial visit to Carolina not too long ago. A guy from the state of Virginia that it looks like Carolina is starting to work on pretty early here. So a long way out for the 2024 class. It will be interesting to monitor and see if Carolina can do like they did a year ago and kind of land one of those guys early on to try to sort of get that class momentum going like they did with Tad Hudson a year ago. Um, and, and But as of right now, uh, it looks like they are going to miss on Jack Lawrence but that they are in a pretty good spot with Tavoy Fegan. Uh, in terms of that school that Carolina is going to play on the football field in the 2024 season, that is going to be NC Central. Mac Brown uh, talked about at length Florida A&M and that game that he is excited about. Uh, that team will be coming to Chapel Hill, of course, on August 27th to begin this season. Well, later in the day, the uh, football uh, office did release the information that they will be facing North Carolina Central, the Eagles, for the first time uh, in 2024. So uh, that is a very exciting happening for Carolina to bring an in-state school, an in-state HBCU into Chapel Hill. Uh, that will be a really cool experience to get those guys on campus. And I know that Mac Brown and everybody around the football program is going to value that experience uh, very much. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on and a really cool thing that will be happening two years down the line. You can go ahead, head over to the website, read the article about that. Josh had that for you earlier this morning. So make sure you check that article out. Uh, there's also a ton of stuff up there. Recruiting-wise, we have an article uh, that breaks down uh, the Tar Heels missing on Noah Rogers. Um, there, of course, is, is a ton of other articles up there uh, about Carolina and, and some of these guys that we just talked about, um, as well as uh, some of the guys that have been on campus recently for Carolina. Um, you can check all that out over there. And then, um, you know, on the basketball side of things, we are, you know, keeping an eye on the NBA draft. Brady Mannix, a guy that could end up going in the draft tonight. If that happens, Josh will have an article for you. He also has an article up on the website right now about a guy that is going to commit later on tonight. That is uh, Matas Buzelis, who we talked about um, on the podcast here now probably about a month ago. Carolina looked like was in the running for him. He is going to make his commitment tonight. It probably looks like he could be heading to the G League, 
but Josh will have you covered on that one either way that it goes. Um, and then he also put up an article sort of projecting the starting lineup after the team landed Pete Nance, the transfer from Northwestern earlier on this week. So you can go back, read that projected starting lineups uh, article, as well as check out the Pete Nance article to sort of learn a little bit more about what he is going to bring to the table. And the last thing that I want to tell you about on the website, all these guys that we just talked about, we are going to have a huge preview for this upcoming weekend. That's going to come out later tonight for you guys to check out on the website. We've also got an article that just went up shortly uh, about uh, some of the press conference takeaways. I have one last night from Mac Brown. Gene Chizik is also going up uh, here shortly. So make sure you check out all that stuff. HeelToughBlog.com. You can also check it out on the social media pages. That's where you can find everything that you're looking for, whether it's the articles, the podcast, the Waveforms edition of the podcast, all in one central location on the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page. It's also over there on the Heel Tough Blog Twitter page. Just search at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. And then you can follow us on our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HackZubber2 for Zach. And then you can also check out Josh's Twitter feed at HTB underscore Josh. Um, and, you know, also make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It's on uh, any of the major platforms. And uh, be sure to leave us a review there as well. We would greatly appreciate that. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>